Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of Weighing In with Andy Hamilton and David Miracatani. I'm Andy Hamilton coming to you from Cedar Falls, Iowa. Joined on the phone, as always, by the czar of the track wrestling rankings, David Miracatani, coming to you from St. Louis. Welcome back, David. Andy, and my best John Sterling impression, the Yankees win. We got to watch. I'm pretty that. happy about that. I'm yeah. pretty happy about that, David. <laughs> I tell you what, if, if you, I don't know if you caught the post game show last night, but one of the funniest things I've seen in a long, long time was was David Ortiz imitating John Sterling. No, I'm sure his was a lot better than mine. I'm sure his was better than mine. His was pretty good. His yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, last night was a good night to be a Yankee fan. It's been a great season to be a Yankee fan, but uh, man, what a fun team and. Uh, they got it done, David. Yeah, we were, I think, both watching in the background while you were helping me out a ton, uh, finalize the rankings with getting grades right. And I had doubled up a couple, you know, two two kids from the same school. So I really, truly appreciate you, uh, you, you committing last night to making these possible to get out today. So thank you. Well, thank you for all your hard work with those. It takes a lot of time and effort to uh, put the rankings together to put 250 names uh, together in the right order and make sure we got uh, uh, pretty close to who's going to be at the at which weights and, and all that. So uh, be on the lookout for those on trackwrestling.com. We also have the U23 trials to recap. David, such a fun weekend up in Rochester. Great wrestling. Uh, man, tremendous performance by Dayton Fix to take out Nathan Tomasello. Um, Joey McKenna wrestled really well. Sam Brooks was lights out at 86 kilos. Richie Lewis comes back from shoulder injury, wrestled only one match a year ago, and rolls through the bracket at 70 kilos. Some other guys that uh, turned into pretty strong performances as well. Um, man, Bulu Wallen put on quite a show to get to the finals at 65 kilos and, and gave uh, McKenna quite a scare there. I think, you know, in the second match, uh, he was ahead with about a minute to go. And also Mitch McKee, uh, man, he's so good in freestyle. But, uh, yeah, pretty good, pretty good freestyle team that the United States put together here. And, uh, we got, we got a lot to talk about from that end. Uh, you know, we might as well start it with Fix and Tomasello, though, because that's, uh, the match or the series that, uh, everybody was talking about going in. And that's the one that everybody was talking about coming out. <laughs> Yeah. David, your 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 impressions of Dayton Fix from what you've seen of him, and um, you know, just your thoughts on on him sweeping the two match series against Nathan Tomasello. Well, obviously, you know, I think we all can't help but be impressed. I think um, Dayton's actually just a super nice kid. You know, he wrestled in our event. His dad's a good friend of mine, and you know, friends with Randy Couture. That's how I met him years ago. And just, I'm just impressed how the kid keeps jumping levels. You know, like he was one of the best in the country. Then, you know, it feels like he's the best in the country and then, you know, wins the world. And, you know, I, I read your article. I'm like, I don't want to misphrase you, but basically that he proved he didn't even belong at that level. Like he needed to be at the next level, you know, that those guys couldn't even really give him a match. And then goes to this. And, you know, Tomasello, you can make an argument. He's the preseason number one, twenty five, number one at one twenty five. Worst he is is number two at 133, and he wins. Now, I mean, you know, rules are different, you know, quad pods and things like that, but they both know what the rules are going in, and he wins. And just 
awfully impressive. And you combine that with Bulu Wallen, and then you combine that with Nick Piccinini, Cade Brock, um, and, you know, when, when Dean Heil graduates. Smith, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at those. Down. Right. Just those bottom Joe weights, Smith, though. Yeah. just feels yeah. like, you know, Gio Martinez, Johns Blaylock. It feels like Oklahoma State's going to be really good in the first five weights for a lot of years. And, uh, yep. and I was there Friday and got to watch those guys, you know, unofficially train a little bit. And that was, that was fun to watch, too. So, yeah, really good stuff from Dayton. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just, you know, I was super impressed with how many different ways he scored against Tomasello. Uh, you know, and then, then I had three instances in the match that I think are in the series. In my opinion, that were really pivotal were the quad pod positions where Tomasello uh, was behind him, rear standing um, position there, and um, was only able to get one point on pushouts on on all three of them. And two of them happened at the beginning of the first match, which was an eight to seven match. If he catches those in for for takedowns, uh, certainly a, you know potentially a different outcome in that right. match. Tomasello was in on the leg to finish. As time expired in that one, you go to match two, about a minute to go, another quad pod position that Tomasello couldn't turn into two, had to settle for one. That would have put him up on criteria. Uh, so so those were key instances of uh, fix, you know, just, just not conceding points. And, and also, uh, you know, like I said, really impressive on his feet. And, and uh, you know, we know what a hammer is. He, you know, what a hammer he is on top with uh, – you know, stuff he can do with gut wrenches. And, and he only um, only got one opportunity, really, to, to, or he only got one turn in the two matches, but uh, showed just so many more things uh, he has in his arsenal. But uh, tremendous performance by Dayton Fix. I think he's – got to think he's going to be in a, the, the mix to win another gold in Poland <laughs> uh, next month. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like NCAs where we do seedings and r- or rankings and we know who's who. You know, you don't always know, but gosh, it, I mean, I would almost bet on him blind. You know, I mean, because he's going to keep getting better. You know, and he's at, in a program where that's important. Freestyle is important. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I got the chance to talk to Piccinini this last weekend, and he talked about training with Dayton and, you know, how fun that's been. And, you know, Bulu Wallen's a guy I've known since he was a senior in high school when he wrestled in our event. And, just has to be one of the best backups in the country in any weight, period. You know, you know, won Reno last year, uh, beat, you know, beat Meredith, you know, had some good wins up there. Um, yeah, beat Ironman, tech Ironman up there. Yeah, yeah, super, super impressive. And, you know, wouldn't be surprised if we saw him get some matches this year or even push for the spot up at 49. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him and, you know, give Gio everything he wants. I think it's just – it's um they're just going to be good there for a long time. And, and Richie, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, your point on the Wallen, you know, I asked, uh, Joey McKenna afterward about, like, like what, um, what, what impressed you from a, an opponent's standpoint or what, what made, from an opponent's standpoint, what, what challenges did the Wallen present? And he said, uh, you know, keep in mind, this is a 65 kilo weight class. And McKenna said, you know, he, he felt big. He felt really big to him. So, you know, I, I certainly think 41 is or 49, excuse me, is a, a strong possibility for him. And you, you got to think, you know, down the road, like in, in how these pieces fit together for Oklahoma State with Piccinini, Cade Brock, Dayton Fix, that uh, Llewellyn's 
place in the lineup is probably 49. His, I guess, right? his future sure seems like it, right? I mean, we're doing roster management, you know, and, and surprisingly, I didn't tell John Smith what I thought he should do with his lineup, but uh, <laughs> shocking, right? <laughs> but it feels like, you know, next year, Dayton and Piccinini end up at 25 and 33, one way or the other, and Cade goes to 41 with with Heil being gone, and then, you know, you have those guys at 49, and uh, it sure feels like Joe Smith is going to move up. So I know John's Blaylock and those guys will be in the mix at 57. And to me, it feels like Joe would go up to 65 or 74 and uh, Chandler would be at the other way, you know, and then Jacoby Smith would be there. And then, you know, they'd have, you know, who they'd have either, you know, Moore or Marsden at 84 um, or Jacoby Smith moving up, and then you got Weigel, and then I saw Derek Moore there this weekend, and he is huge. He's 245, and he looks like he's about 8% body fat. Wow. So that's their heavyweight, um, and he's a guy that can get to legs. He's a guy that wrestled Neville's tough last year in the duel, you know, and moved up. So almost a little bit like a whole slog, right, you know, who we're both close yeah. to based on, you know, my dealing with them with Brawl and you knowing him from Iowa where they're going to get better as they know they're at that weight. So, you know, I mean, he's obviously been, they locked him in the weight room and the food, you know, the food buffet line for about six months. And uh, he looks really good. Looks, he's just a horse. So, what else caught your eye from you 23s? Richie Lewis. Um, yeah. Richie Lewis, because he's a hard guy to rank. Um, you know, we'll get into that, but, you know, he beat Lavalley last year in the uh, the undercard of the NWC All Star meet, you know, and then got hurt. You know, he's a JUCO guy. Um, you mentioned him a week or two ago on our podcast how he was going to get extra matches, and you know I saw your interviews with him afterwards. Like he seems like he's not like, well, Nolf's going to win it. I'm going to try to make the finals. Like he feels like his mentality is, I'm going to go get it, and. You know, he went and got it, and Tyler Berger super legit, and I think on paper, Tyler Berger would have been the favorite, certainly the betting favorite, and, you know, that's what's funny. Like, guys like us, you know, we like to do this stuff and talk about it, and the kids don't care. They just wrestle, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I remember when I wrestled, like, we were supposed to, you know, I remember my sophomore year, I was supposed to lose to this guy who was undefeated, and, like, somebody told me afterwards, I'm like, I was supposed to lose to him? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like, you don't. Think that way. You just do you. And I, I know social media is a lot different than 100 years ago when I wrestled, but I really think it's the, the mentality of winners are the same. Like, we don't care what anybody thinks that's sitting with headsets on or writing articles or whatever. You know, we're wrestling, and, and I'm going to control my own destiny. So I think that guy is – I think he's a threat, a major threat, you know, very least to All-American at 57. And, you know, you combine that with some of the other things Rutgers is doing – and they could be really, really legit this year. I mean, like top 10 to 12 legit this year. Yeah, I, I'll be surprised if they're not, really, when you, you look at, uh, you know, Soriano and, and uh, you know, you mentioned Richie Lewis, Ashnall, Gravina, um, you know, some other guys right there on the periphery that uh, if one or two of them take a step up, suddenly uh, you're looking at a team that, uh, you know, is firmly planted in the top 10. Yeah, so. yeah, we've got him just on the edge of it, and obviously Ashnault's health has a lot to do with that. But yep. I would agree with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Uh, 
Yeah, then uh, as far as the rest of U23s go, uh, you know, one of the things that was surprising to me, I guess, uh, 24 different spots on the world team handed out over the weekend, or, or I shouldn't say handed out, but earned. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the right word. Sure. And uh, none of the 24 spots or none of the 24 final matches went to a, to a third match. They're all two-match sweeps which uh, I don't know that I can ever recall being at a world team trials where there wasn't a third match in the best of three. But uh, that, that, that was interesting. I uh, thought Sam Brooks was really, really strong. Uh, 4-0 in the semis against Brett Farr, who dropped down uh, to 86 kilos. And then he swept the best of three uh, against Miles Martin. Uh looked really strong. You know, got, uh, I don't know how many situations it, uh, I think almost half of the points that Sam Brooks, you know, going back and watching the matches, I think almost half of the points that he scored in the two matches were off, like getting to the corner and go behind, um, cradle type positions. He cradled Miles Martin a couple times. You don't see that a lot in freestyle, but, uh, uh, Brooks made it happen a couple times. Um, I thought Michael Kroll's was an interesting story just in that, uh, he, he said afterward that, uh, uh, he, he didn't even know that he was going to be in the tournament until a month ago. Him and Brett Farr had spent like the summer out on the West Coast doing camps, yeah. uh, basically living out of his Jeep and, and uh, pop-up trailer. Uh, got back to Minnesota about a month ago, and, and Brandon Agam said, hey, guys, there's a, uh under-23 or 23 and under tournament. Uh, you guys qualify for it, and here's the kicker. It's in Rochester. And uh, – so basically, they had no reason not to try, and and he goes in and wins the uh, the heavyweight bracket. Granted, not the not the deepest star-studded bracket in the tournament, but nonetheless, uh, he won. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> and he's he's heading to Poland. Um, you know, I thought the Greco tournament was pretty entertaining, and and Greco's taken a bit of a beating this summer, particularly after uh, Paris. And you know, we just didn't see a lot of points and a, a ton of action in Paris, but. Uh, you know, I, I thought in Finland at the Junior Worlds that there was some entertaining Greco going on. I thought uh, Cadet, same thing, uh, highly entertaining, high-scoring matches. And uh, hopefully we see the same at the U23 level because, um, you know, going back and looking at uh, some of these matches, at least in the final series from Rochester, there there were some high-scoring matches, a lot of points going up on the board and, and – uh, you know, certainly a lot of activity. You know, Kamal Bay uh, ran through the tournament with the exception of his semifinal match against Alex Meyer, who uh, the former uh, or past Fargo Greco cadet champion. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, hasn't been wrestling much Greco the last four years. But, um, you know, he gave Kamal Bay all he could handle. Meyer was up 7-2 with about a minute to go. And, you know, Bay hit a 5 to... Uh, go back in front on criteria, but, uh, you know, that's, that's a guy where, uh, you know, certainly a five point lead is, is really never safe with Kamal Bay and, and he continues to be a guy that, uh, you don't want to leave your seat when, when he's, uh, when his name is called to the mat. So. Yeah. I just. Those are some of the takeaways for me. Yeah. I actually just talked to his high school coach, Mike Powell, who's going to be on, uh, on Matt Chat about Kamal and a bunch of those guys that that were our senior level guys that are doing big things. And that's what he said. He's been, you know, super talented and a guy that, you know, like a lot of, unlike a lot of guys, he's not scared to lose trying to score points. And that's, yep. that's interesting. Right. You know, just. Yeah. 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 And he, uh, 
hopped on the mics a little bit uh, both both days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, actually called, uh, I, I think, the semifinals alongside Shane Sparks. And uh, Shane went on about uh, what a great job Kamal did on the mic, uh, uh, helping us on the live stream. So uh, <laughs> eager to go back and watch uh, some of the matches that Kamal called uh, just to see what kind of job he did. So. Anyway, you can uh, certainly check out the U23 tournament, uh, all the matches on demand on trackwrestling.com. We also have our rankings for the upcoming college season. The preseason rankings are out. Those are presented by Resolite this year, and this podcast is sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats. From Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that brings unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, as we mentioned at the top, the rankings are out. You spent a lot of time digging through last year's results, going through names on this year's roster, and uh, looking at uh, how things shook out. Penn State, the number one. Shocking. In the preseason ranking, yeah. 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 As we, as, we, <laughs> as we expected last March when we left St. Louis, Penn State would be the early favorite for 2018, and the Nittany Lions checking in at 123 points, followed by, by Ohio State at 106. Oklahoma State with 95, Michigan 84 and a half, Missouri 56, a two-way tie between Arizona State and Minnesota at 43. Lehigh is number eight with 42 and a half, Iowa number nine at 40, and Virginia Tech 10th at 39 and a half. You know that eight through 12 range, as always, we see a lot of teams stacked up through there. No exception this year, but uh, David, when you look, first of all at the team rankings and how everything shook out after you got the 10 weights put together. What were some of the things that stood out to you? Um, first of all, I think people need to understand, I hope they do, we don't really do team rankings, right? You rank 10 weights and then you just do the math. So yep. you don't, you don't, I mean, I think we all knew if you've done rankings at all, Penn State's returning 100 points at five weights. So it's going to be awfully hard to pass them, you know, but, uh, I, the Rutgers is 13th with 35 and the tide for sixth is 43. So, you know, so you're talking about seven teams there within eight points. That's just, you know, like one seventh place guy not doing it versus doing it. So that's really, uh, I think that's intriguing, right? And we don't have Pat Downey points in for Iowa, you know, because yep. he's got to get eligible. And, you know, so I think th- that, Mix right there, um, really imp- was intriguing to me. I think Missouri continuing to be a top five program despite losing Jaden. You know, I, I had Brian Smith on a while ago and the guy just keeps, you know, building and building and building and bigger goals. Michigan, you and I spoke, you know, before we did these rankings this summer. Hey, Michigan and Arizona State, we think are going to be really, really good. Michigan looks like they could, you know, certainly like right now, they're a favorite to be in the top four and you know that they, they've done it before but it's been mm-hmm. a minute so it'll be interesting to see if they can do that again um yeah and, and really 
you know, as we go through this, I think for me, some of the struggles were where do you put certain guys individually, which obviously impacts the team things. And my rankings and our rankings, because obviously you have a hand in it, are very, very national tournament results uh, biased. You know, if you placed, even if you didn't have the best regular season, you're going to get credit for that because, honestly, that's, you know, 10 years from now, that's all anybody's going to remember was how did you do at nationals. And it's, you know, and it's also you proved you can score points, team points, and that's what we're doing. You know, that's where we're measuring and counting. So, um, you know, somebody who's 28-0 and 0 and goes 0-2 at nationals is going to be ranked behind a guy that was 10-11 and 11 but took eighth. And maybe that's wrong, but that's – my philosophy, and I've been consistent about that all the way through. And again, it's just the beginning of the rankings, and it's just, you know, people can rest their way out of those spots. But I sat in a lot of college seating meetings, and that's how a seating meeting would go. You know, the guy that was 10 and 11 but took eighth would be ahead of the guy that was 28 and 0, and it wouldn't matter about head to head. It would matter. They would start with who's an All American. So that's, that's my, I guess, philosophical starting point on these things. Yeah, and as you mentioned, there's there's we got 20 weeks of of time during the season for for guys to uh, change where they are on the chart here. So yeah. there's gonna be a lot of movement. There's uh, gonna be a lot that's gonna change here, and, and we'll take a dive into to a few of the weights here today. Let's kick it off, of course, with 125 pounds. Uh, we'll read one through eight here. Number one, David or David, you went with. Daring Cruz, returning national champ, number one. Uh, Nathan Tomasello from Ohio State, number two. And we can talk a little bit about his uh, uh, situation here. Going to be out until January, most likely, with an injury that he sustained in the final series the other day against uh, against Fix. State and Fix in the finals of the U23 championships. Uh, number number three, Ethan Lezak. Minnesota, number four, Nick Piccinini from Oklahoma State. Number five, Nick Soriano from Rutgers. Number six, Sean Russell from Edinburgh. Number seven, Ryan Milhoff, Arizona State. Number eight, Zeke Moisey from West Virginia. David, probably the two toughest things to determine in this weight class, number one, who's number one? And then number two, <laughs> what to do with, with Nick Soriano. This was the hardest weight class to rank at the top. I think – most people probably understand that ranking like 18 through 25 can be a really jumbled mess. And we're the only ones that rank 21 to 25. And we do that because they score points at nationals and we're trying to give people the most, you know, representative picture we can of how we think they're going to do at nationals. Soriano has an argument to be one. I mean, he beat Darian Cruz eight to nothing. Sorry, or Cruz has an argument to be number one. He's the national champion. Tomasello has an argument to be number one. He's third, first, and third, and, you know, only lost, and he lost last year up a weight to the guy that ended up winning nationals. Uh, and this obviously doesn't take into account Tomasello's injury, and, we, and I think we should talk about how that impacts rankings. But um, we sort of split the baby with Suriano. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm a big believer, like I told you, I'm not going to put him above Cruz or Tomasello who are both national champions at some point. And Lezak was a runner-up, and Piccinini was fourth. Um, the really hard thing was to decide whether to put Suriano above or below Russell. Uh, I did I did feel comfortable then putting him ahead of Milhoff, who was 
seventh last year or, or a year ago in 16 and Moisey, who was second in 15. Um, and, and I don't believe that – here's the other thing. People go, oh, well, you know, you had Suriano rank fifth and let's say he ends up winning it. This is this is these are not my predictions. These are where I think they deserve to be ranked, and that's an entirely different conversation. And I hope people understand yep. that. You know, so yep. yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. You know, we're trying to rank you based on what we think you've earned. And Soriano had a great season, and he only he lost to Gilman, and he lost to Piccinini, but you know, it wasn't like he was losing in that match. He just got injured early. So we ranked him behind Piccinini because, you know, he did get his hand raised in that match. So, you know, but you could tell me Soriano's third and I would buy that. Um, yeah. So that, that was the hard part that, that putting him at five was, I think it feels right, but sometimes you feel a hundred percent conviction about something. And sometimes you're like, well, we had to put him somewhere and this makes the most sense, but I'm not married to it. And I'm more in the second camp on that one. Anything else you want to hit at 25? Well, um, I mean, it's a deep weight. There's a, you know, there's eight returning all Americans. If you count all years, three round of 12 guys, two round of 16 guys, um, one, two, three, four, five round of 24 guys. Um, then you've also got four round of 32s and then Barlow McGee, who was lost in the round of 33. And then you've got some interesting guys we have at the bottom, like Dalton Macri, S- Sebastian Rivera. And there's some good guys that didn't get ranked, um, you know, like Sean Nickel, Danny Vega, some guys like that, uh, Austin Acid. And then Jose Rodriguez is going to try to be eligible at Cleveland State second semester, and he's a guy that came within a whisker of beating Joey Dance last year. So you got to figure if, if, he's, if he does what he needs to do to be eligible, he's, he would be in the mix somewhere. So those, yep. those guys stick out to me. Yep. Moving ahead to 133, David, you got number one, Seth Gross, South Dakota State. Number two, Stevon Nietzsche, Michigan. Number three, Oklahoma State's Cade Brock. Number four, Lehigh, Scotty Parker. Number five, Virginia's Jack Mueller moving up from 125. Number six, Mitch McKee, Junior World Silver Medalist from Minnesota, U23 World Team member. Number seven, Buffalo's Brian Lantry. Number eight, Scott Del Vecchio of Rutgers. Right on the cut line there of All-American points, you've got Luke Pletcher of Ohio State. Uh, number nine, uh, Dom Force of Pittsburgh. Number 10, John Ernesty of Missouri. Number 11. So uh, in Pletcher and Ernesty's case, uh, in terms of the team race and in a project- projection there, if they can climb up, a few more spots that can significantly impact where teams are slotting <laughs> For sure. in the top five. For so. sure, yeah. So pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry here. It looks like, you know, from from where things shook out last year, yeah. uh, not uh, not a, not a lot of uh, tough calls here, was there? No, the first four guys were in order of how they placed last year. Mueller, when you move. Up away, you get ranked behind all the guys that, you know, meddled there. So we did, we put it behind Scotty Parker, even though it was sixth versus eighth. Um, McKee got the nod over the other two guys at round of 12, you know, based on his summer. Um, when you move down a weight and you're on that tier, we, we, I put guys at the top. So there were three round of 16 guys, Pletcher, Forrest, Ernesty, 
and I put Pletcher ahead of the other two because he came down from 41. Um, you know, and then there is a guy, Connor Schramm, in this mix who did place, you know, several years back, but he was around a 24 guy this last year. So um, he's at 13, but this weight does have six returning All-Americans. So, uh, you know, that's pretty interesting. And you've actually got, you know, a kid like Colby Smith who was at uh, App State last year, transferred to Missouri, who would have been in the rankings. Um, Allie Nazer is a guy that hasn't been healthy the last couple of years. you got guys like Taylor Lamont, Montori Bridges, Rudy Yates, Tariq Wilson, um, maybe Jared Cortez, Philip, Philip Locks. I mean, there's a lot of names here of guys that could pop in at the, you know, start, get themselves into the rankings and wouldn't surprise, I think, you or me if that happened. Anything else at 33? No, I think it's a really important way for the team race, like you said, right? You know, I mean, you know, Ohio State, you know, Pletcher getting on the podium, um, you know, Corey Keener doing something there, or, you know, if it's Cortez, them getting some points from that weight. And then, you know, if Cade Brock can make the finals and knock one of those guys off, that certainly would help Oklahoma State's cause. And obviously, Michigan's right there as well with uh, Mesich. Moving ahead to 141, Dean Heil, two-time NCAA champ from Oklahoma State, starts out as the obvious number one. Number two, North Carolina State's Kevin Jack, two-time All-American. Number three, Bryce Meredith from Wyoming, finalist a couple years ago, two-time All-American. Number four, Jaden Ironman, who placed fifth last season. Number five, Anthony Ashnall from Rutgers. Number six, Tommy Thorne from Minnesota, an All-American last year. Number seven, Joey McKenna from Ohio State to Stanford transfer, who was the three-seed last year at All-American two years ago when he placed third for Stanford. And then uh, number eight, Colton McChrystal from Nebraska, round a 12 guy. Remains to be seen who uh, will be the starter at 141 for the Huskers there. They've also got the super freshman, Chad Red. David, this uh, 141, especially, uh, you know, you know, the guys we just mentioned, man, it's going to be a lot of fun this year. It's going to be a lot of battles with these guys. Agreed. And I'm not betting against Dean Heil. Just not doing, yeah. not doing that. Um, I think we've all, anybody that did that has learned their lesson. Um, you know, one of the things, like I see Ashnault's name, and one of the things that it reminds me of, and we'll, we're going to formulate our thoughts on this, but on whether or not to leave a guy like Ashnault or Tomasello in the rankings the problem if you take them out is it really, really skews the team scores. Like you take 16 points off of Ohio State or you take 10 points off of Rutgers and it's just an inaccurate team thing assuming they come back. The problem if you leave them in is how can guys jump them because they're, they, they're not performing. So you're now comparing what they did last year versus what guys are doing this year. And then the other thing that is tied to this Wait, specifically, is Colton McChrystal, because this, this comes up again at 165, and we'll get there, but um, Colton McChrystal, if Chad Red beats out Colton McChrystal, I'm going to rank Chad Red where Colton McChrystal is, because he's taking that spot. So in my opinion, he's earned that spot, whereas if he just came in being the same wrestler he was, but Nebraska had nobody that had done anything last year coming back, he would have to start at the bottom and work his way up. And that might be wrong, but that's just the philosophy that I'm following. And I don't think that's uh, 
I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you look at it uh, in this instance, at least. I mean, it's not like Chad Red hasn't proven himself. I mean, he was uh, a couple seconds away from being in the Midlands Finals last year. Over Kalastic, uh, too. Yeah. So yeah, yep, yep. So uh, so uh, kind of kind of fell asleep in the, the closing <laughs> seconds of that match against Matthew Kalastic, but um, you know, Chad Red's a guy with a tremendous upside, and I think we're going to see him win a lot of matches this year at, at some point. Uh, somewhere in the Nebraska lineup, uh, you know, I think the Huskers are eager to get him in the lineup, and you know, it's a guy that's got uh, high upside. Uh, I suspect we'll see him on the podium at some point, uh, at somewhere in Cleveland. So, anyway, uh, 41. Well, okay. uh, looking down the line a little yeah. bit here, um, you know, the other guy, you know, and, and uh, you know we. We kind of talked about where to put him. Kanan Storb, Iowa State, the freshman, had a tremendous uh, redshirt season a year ago. Uh, won, you know, beat several of these guys that we've already talked about, McChrystal and uh, Luke Pletcher at the Midlands last year. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, like I said, had a, had a spectacular freshman year. Finished second at the Dave Schultz Invitational or Memorial Invitational. Uh, that's a guy that I know the Cyclones are pretty excited about. Uh, he slots in at number 19 behind uh, Javier Gaska the third from Michigan State. I know they met up at a tournament. I think Michigan State opened early in the year, and Gaska got the best of him. So 19 is where you slotted in store. Uh, anything else on your mind there, 41? Store and Gaska are two guys that I think will go up. I mean, Gaska yep. is down because he went 0-2 at – Nationals, but clearly he was injured. I mean, he got killed by Gulaban, who he had beaten two weeks earlier when he wasn't injured. You know, but again, he was in the round of 32. I'm not going to just put him up above these other guys, but I did make him the highest round of 32 guy. And I think that's where you're allowed to have some discretion, you know, while maintaining your consistency. Store was a tough guy to rank and you really helped me there, like, you know, going through the results. And justifying, well, he lost to this guy, but he beat these guys. And, you know, based on data and not just the eye test, you know, he, he seems to fit in here and, and, and is really defendable there. So that was really helpful. Yeah. Moving on to 149, number one, Zane Redford, two-time NCAA champ from Penn State. Number two, Brandon Sorensen from Iowa. Number three, Max Thompson from Northern Iowa. Number four, Solomon Chishko, Virginia Tech. Number five, Gio Martinez, All-American two years ago for Boise State. Now he is at Oklahoma State. Number six, Matthew Kolodzik from Princeton. Number seven, Justin Oliver from Central Michigan. Number eight, Steve Blyce, the Northern Illinois transfer at Minnesota now. David, uh, you know, clearly Zane Train is the <laughs> undisputed number one. Then you got a couple guys from the Cedar Valley right here. Sorensen and Thompson, two and three. Uh, when, when you look further down the line, you know, Ryan Deacon at 14, the junior world silver medalist, a uh, guy that, uh, you know, didn't even place at the uh, Eastern Michigan Open early in the season. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, I brought this up in a previous podcast that, uh, you know, one of, one of the funniest lines from Finland was uh, Matt Storniolo, the Northwestern coach, going up to Deacon after uh, – he made the world uh, junior world finals and saying, uh, "Man, this this tournament's a lot easier than uh, Eastern <laughs> Michigan Open." Uh, that was one of my favorite lines of the summer. But 
Yeah. You know, awesome. Deacon, Deacon <laughs> a guy that, uh, you know, we just saw get better and better and better as the season went along. Third at the Midlands. Only lost there was the Sorensen. Beat some, uh, some good guys there. Uh, beat uh, Davion Jeffries. Um, I think he might have beaten Bannister there as well. But, uh, uh, you know, really excited to see what he can do. A guy that can get the legs and, um, you know, appears to have uh, – uh, pretty strong build for this weight class. Going to be a, I, I think, uh, a strong looking 49 pounder. Yeah. What else do you have your eyes on at 49? I think there's a couple things. First of all, Justin Oliver is also a guy that all American a couple years ago. So you have seven all Americans at this weight and you actually have eight if you count Jason Sertzis. Now, I mean, we made calls and, um, Maruka is the guy they're saying we should put in the line, you know, in for ranking purposes. Uh, and, but if it was Sertzis based on credentials, he'd probably be seventh instead of Maruka ninth. So, um, that's interesting to me. The other thing is where do you put Keyshawn Hayes? Cause we really don't know. We're, we're guessing that McKenna's 41 and Hayes is 49, but they're going to wrestle off and, Obviously, they haven't, and we don't know the results, obviously, since it hasn't happened. And we don't really know who wants to go which weight. So, you know, that's uh, a thing. You know, then you got Jamal Morris, who's all the way up from 133, but he's certainly tall enough for that weight. And then some of these young studs out of Virginia, you know, Sam Crivis, you know, guys like that. Deacons, you know, you mentioned him. I think that's, you know, going to be one of the interesting stories at this weight to see how he does, you know. Um, he made a huge jump, like you like you said, you go to DNP at the EMU to second in the world, and you know it'll be interesting to see if he can keep that momentum. Um, the other thing that's interesting is just like where would Pat Lugo have slotted in, you know, had he been here? And it's something, you know, Iowa will you know have him plugged in next year, so you know that weight seems like they're pretty good there for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it'll be curious. Uh, I'm curious to see, do they even consider cutting him down to 41 this year? Because he's, he did get released from Edinburgh. He's eligible to go right away. Do they redshirt him and use him as Sorensen's replacement next year at 49 or do, or do they cut him down this year and try to fill a hole there at 41? Makes them a lot, to keep makes them a lot better, right? Yeah, I think so. And I he, think so. And he would be. He would be 12th or 13th with us. He would be 13th immediately. So, you know, that's interesting. You know, I mean, that's really like you can 13 versus 12 is usually not a big argument. So it's basically winning the last match and he would be an All-American. Now you're talking about at least five and a half more points for them. So that's yep. that, that's going to be a very interesting thing to follow for sure. Yep. Moving ahead to 157, Jason Knopf. Penn State returning NCAA champ number one, Joey LaValle, finalist two years ago from Missouri, number two, Michael Kemmerer from Iowa, number three, Joe Smith from Oklahoma State, number four, number five, Tyler Berger from Nebraska, number six, Paul Fox from Stanford, number seven, Micah Jordan from Ohio State, number eight, Alex Pantaleo from Michigan, uh, number nine, we're going to go down a little further on this one, yeah. CJ Clyden from Ryder. Uh, so you got nine all, all Americans, nine guys that have been on the yeah. stand. And then Richie Lewis, number 10, the guy that we talked about at the beginning of the show, such a tremendous weekend at the U23 trials. I'm going to go one more spot to Jake Short, number 11, because he was a guy that was all over the map last <laughs> year in our rankings. Yeah. He's on Winston. Post some really big wins and then have some head-scratching losses. 
eager to see what, what Minnesota gets out of Jake Short this year. David, uh, what are the, the hot topics at 57 in your mind? Well, one, I'm pretty sure Joe Smith is redshirting. So, you know, I saw him this weekend and, um, just, just talk to him. I just think that's going to happen. So that means everybody would slide up a spot, spot, excuse me. John's playlock looks like he'd be the guy there. Um, so he'd have to work his way in, but you know, that moves everybody up a spot. Um, Claggin's a guy that has some head scratchers to use that term during the regular season, you know, but was fifth in 15 and was round of 12 last year. So he does wrestle good when the tournament comes around. Um, you know, Micah Jordan, was a guy that was like at 57 during his red shirt year and then went down to 41. He's kind of been all over, but it feels like this might be really a good weight for him just in terms of his body. And Lewis was the hardest one, right? Cause he beat LaValle had really no other body of work. Well, this is one where we did arbitrarily decide he's that he belongs there as the, you know, as if he was rounded 12 and you know, there's an argument against that, but it helped that we just had this recent result where he beat Berger twice in freestyle. It makes it a lot easier to justify where he is. I know it's different rules, but at the end of the day, wrestling's wrestling and takedowns are takedowns. So, um, you know, that, that helped a little bit. And then, you know, you have a guy like Clayton Ream who's down at 21, who was the sixth seed last year and just had an awful tournament for him. So, you know, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And then we don't even have guys like Freddie Stroker and Larry Early and some guys like that even in the rankings. So I, I would think those guys would probably end up working their way in as well. Yep. Anything else this week, David? You want to, you want to cut it off at 57 and come back? Sure. The last five. Yeah. Yeah. Weeks to come. Okay. Yeah. Everything that's, that makes a lot of sense. Want to congratulate, uh, Chris Perry on getting married this weekend and, um, really it was, there was a lot of cauliflower here at that reception. Um, you know, nobody got robbed, but if somebody had came in, I don't think it would have ended well for them. So it was nice to be there. Uh, and then probably our number one fan, uh, Kelly Heineker, he loves our show, texts me every week about it, loves what you're doing, Andy. And he got married this weekend as well. So I want to congratulate him and, um, it's wrestling season almost, and it's fun talking about the rankings and putting all this stuff together. And uh, I'm going to get to do some interviews with uh, – I got to interview Hardell Moore this last weekend. I got to see the Perry uh, Tournament of Cha- – or Perry Monument, and um, Track Wrestling is actually going to cover the Perry Tournament of Champions this year. So I'm excited about that. Got to do a sit-down with Eric Guerrero in his house, which we'll probably put out around Christmas or something, but it was really a unique interview. He talked about some really personal things, so that was unique. Um, he probably opened up more than he ever has, you know, publicly or privately with me, so I was really just shocked with um, the access that he gave us. And uh, I'm going to get to interview Missouri tomorrow. I'm going to Kansas City to do a seminar and Coach Smith said I could stick my head in on practice and interview a bunch of their guys. So um, a bunch of those, once I, you know, get technologically savvy and figure out how to plug this all into the laptop and send it to you guys, we'll have a bunch of those that we can put up in the next weeks coming up. Awesome. Well, David, uh, as we, we mentioned before, we dug into the rankings, the, the rankings this year presented by Resolite. This podcast is 
sponsored by Resolite Sports Products, your one source for both classic and lightweight mats from Resolite Zip Mat, the first and only tape-free mat to offer a waterproof interlocking connection system to Resolite's exclusive DigiPrint mat, the only fully customizable mat featuring unlimited graphics that bring unrivaled school branding to your new lightweight mat. Visit Resolite.com for all your wrestling mat needs. Resolite, the mat company. David, thank you as always. Thank you. Insight. Thank you, Paul Gilbert. The president of Resolite is the man. Awesome guy. Does a lot for people. So good for them. Yeah, we're we're fortunate to have them on board this year. Happy to have them on board. And uh, as you mentioned, David, you can check back to trackwrestling.com for your match chat interview this week with Mike Powell. Uh, guy that has coached a lot of tremendous wrestlers through the years, including a couple U23 world team members. Yeah. Uh, so, so looking forward to that. He's got a tremendous story and uh, certainly uh, be sure to check out all of David's rankings, the division one preseason rankings presented by Resolite. Those will be up on trackwrestling.com. You can download it. If you are listening to us on trackwrestling.com now, you can also download and listen on the go and dig up our past episodes of Weighing In and David's past episodes of Matt Chat on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Go on to iTunes. Check that out. Lots of good shows that Jason Bryant has up on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you're already listening to us on iTunes on the Matt Talk Podcast Network, be sure to go on to trackwrestling.com. Check out the U23 Trials and coverage from up in Rochester. That'll do it for this week's edition of Weighing In. For David Merkitani, I'm Andy Hamilton. Thanks for listening. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.